If you please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Our passage this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 26. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us that well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all, the, all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is God's word for us today. You may have a seat. Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace Community Church. I'm Pastor Brooks. I'll be bringing you the word this morning. I want to uh, start out. As we are in our, how many messages is this? I think this is our third into the series, Searching for Answers, Encountering Jesus. We're looking at specific questions that people bring to the Lord, either explicitly, they, they phrase them themselves, or it's implied that this is what they're asking. And so we're looking at different questions. And this morning, the question is all about satisfaction, all about satisfaction. Now, I um, want to let you know that we are starting our uh, daily devotionals October 4th, and you can sign up for those to get those on your phone if you want to text answers to the number 94253 daily devotions that go right along with the sermon series. We'll start up next week. So again, answers to 94253. So the question I want to pose before we get to the text is this, is this. So I want you to fill in the blank. 
if I could have blank, I'd be satisfied. If I could have what? If you could have one thing or more of something and that would make you satisfied, what would it be? For me, right now, if I could have no back pain right now, I would be satisfied. Threw out my back on Friday doing some landscaping, thinking that I was 20 and that you can still take large trees from the back of your truck without help and then lower them to the ground. And so I threw out my back and I've been in misery. When I drove over here this morning, um, I made noises I didn't think I could make. Do you want to know why God chose women to bear children? Because men have no pain threshold. So I was sounding somewhat like I envision a cow would sound if it were giving birth to a semi. That's what I was doing while I was driving here. And the good thing is, it only takes me 23 minutes to get to church. So it was absolutely awful. I was literally yelling as I was driving here. So yeah, if I could just go without some back pain, I'd be satisfied. Or would I? Last week I didn't have any back pain, and yet I'm still longing for something else. That's just the way we are. What is it for you? If I could only be healthy, then I would be satisfied. If I could only be wealthy, then I would be satisfied. If my spouse would stop being, well, my spouse, then I would be satisfied. If my kids would obey, then I'd be satisfied. If I could accomplish something meaningful, then I would be satisfied. For Madeline, in the video that you just watched, she articulated very clearly what she felt she needed to be satisfied. And that was the acceptance of a certain peer group. If she could succeed, then she would be satisfied. But here's the thing. And I I don't think, maybe you don't know this, but I think most of us do understand this. Even, Even if we got what we wanted, we still wouldn't necessarily be satisfied. So what will satisfy? We're going to look at the text that Kristen read, John chapter 4, the encounter of Jesus with the woman at the well, and we're going to look at our options. Jesus presents two. You can drink from this well, this well, and you can be thirsty again, or you can drink from the water that I'm going to offer you, living water, and be eternally satisfied. So we're going to take a look and compare the options that we have. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at our reasoning. By way of viewing how the woman was processing Jesus' offer to her, we're going to take a look at how she's perceiving what Jesus is offering and then look how we perceive the offer that Jesus offers. So it, 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 we don't hear it at all, and all at once embrace it. Embrace it. Typically, we, we're, we, it's a process by which we come to realize that Christ offers us living water and then we actually choose to receive it. And the last thing we're going to look at is our satisfaction in Christ. So please uh, join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the verse that uh, Madeline um, quoted, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, that uh, our, your grace is made sufficient um, in, in weakness, and your power is made perfect in our weakness. So Father, we pray uh, this morning that uh, in the weakness and the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel, Lord, you would be glorified. We pray, Father, that you would bring glory to yourself. Help me to preach and teach in such a way that Christ is honored. And touch our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts with that living water that we might truly be satisfied only you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so first of all, before we get to the options, let's look at the context. I'm not going to uh, uh, read this verse by verse, but let's just take a look at it. What we have here is Jesus. He is. It says in the text that he has to go through Samaria. Now, technically, that's not true in the sense that there's no other way to get to the destination he's going to. He has to go through because he has a divine appointment there. So he goes there. The disciples go into town to get some food. Jesus, wearied from the travel, sits down. He sits down. So he sits and he waits. He sits and he waits and a woman approaches. A woman approaches. It says that it is the sixth hour. It's the sixth hour of the day. Now, in our context, that's 3 p.m. That's 3 p.m. So it is in the peak moment of the day when it's at the hottest. That's not when women go to the well to draw water. Typically, they go early in the morning at 9 a.m., 8 a.m., when the day gets going before the, the peak sun is out because it's cool then. So why is she waiting to go in the middle of the day? Well, we learn later in the story what kind of woman she is. She is a social outcast in her own community. So she's not the kind of woman that is, uh, that's accepted by her peers. And so she comes in the heat of the day. So verse seven, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He asked her for water. He asked her for water for his disciples had gone away to the city for food. Verse nine, the Samaritan says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus blows through a number of social barriers here a number of social barriers. First of all, he is a Jewish man. She is a woman. Jewish rabbis do not interact with women other than their wives. They just don't. They didn't back then. But this isn't just any woman. She's a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans Samaritans are despised by Jewish people. There's a racial component here, racial tension. They do not get along. You see, back in the day when Assyria came and, and drove out the ten northern tribes, and then later when Babylon came, about 500 years later, and sacked Jerusalem and took all of, the, of those people in Judea captive, they left behind some poor people just to keep up the agricultural farms. But foreigners came in and intermarried with those Jewish people, and they kind of created their own hybrid religion, if you will. It looked sort of like Judaism, but it looked like paganism too. And so that's who the Samaritans were. So Jews despised them, despised them. They would not go through Samaria, this region within Israel. They would always go around it. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he had an appointment with this woman. It wasn't on her calendar, but it was on his calendar. So that's the context. That's how we get to this. So then we move on here, and it says that Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that Jesus is saying to you, or saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So the woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where will you get this living water? Let's keep reading. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? So they have a common heritage, Jacob, the the father of the 12 tribes. 
He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and all his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, well number one, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them, they will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what you have here, Jesus is contrasting two different sources that people go for for satisfaction. First of all, this well, this well. This woman refers to the well. This woman refers to a well. The word that's translated well is cistern or pit or abyss, and it's translated, obviously, in this case, well. That's not the word that Jesus uses. Jesus chooses to use, in verse 14, not the word for well, pit, abyss, cistern, but the well for spring. It's altogether different. One holds water, the other produces water. One holds water, the other produces water. So what do these wells stand for? They obviously stand for something. Jesus says, if you drink from this well, you're going to come back because you're going to be thirsty again. What this represents are the things that we go to in life that we think if we get them, then we'll be satisfied. But it turns out, if we get them, we aren't satisfied. So go back to the original question before we started the sermon. If I had blank, then I would be fulfilled. What is it that you think of? What are you striving for? What drives you? What do you work for? What do you long for? For Madeline in the testimony that you saw, she was a straight-A student, probably still is, and at the time earlier on, she recognized that what she was doing was she was striving for the approval of other people. What are you striving for? If I could only get this, then I would be satisfied. So, what is it? movie I watched years and years ago. It came out in the early 80s, Chariots of Fire. It tells the story of uh, the uh, Olympians that ran for Great Britain and the track team in 1924. And the two main characters that are compared and contrast in this particular movie are Harold Abrams, uh, a British man, a Jew, uh, ethnically and religiously, but non-practicing, and then a Christian by the name of uh, Eric Little. Eric Little was born on the mission field in China. His folks were missionaries in China. He went to Scotland to get his education. Then he planned to eventually go back to be a missionary in China. And he did. And he eventually was, uh, was martyred there in China during uh, World War II, the, the Japanese occupation. Anyway, back to the two runners. There's a scene where Harold Abrams is qualified. He's qualified. He took second in his semifinal heat, but he qualifies for the Olympic finals in the 100-meter dash. And there's a scene probably maybe half an hour before he's getting ready to run, and he's at the, he's at the trainer's table, and he's all sprawled out, and his, his trainer is giving him a back rub, which I would like right now, but I can't because I'm preaching. And so he's, he's rubbing him out and he's kneading out all those knots. And, and, he's, and he's, as he's sitting there on, a, on the table talking to, uh, talking to his buddy, his buddy has, has just finished competing. And his buddy has taken, I think, bronze in a, in a relay. And he's just, he's content. He's happy. He's happy with, with how he finished. And Harold Abraham says, I envy you. 
I wish that I could have the satisfaction and the contentment that you have. And then he shares the following. He goes, I've been trying to prove to the world that I'm something my whole life. And here at the eve of the Olympic finals, I have 10 seconds to prove the reason that I exist. And what terrifies me is that I'm not sure that I will. He wasn't terrified that he wasn't going to win. That was not what scared him. What scared him was, what if I get to the bottom of that well and I drink that which I have longed for and trained for my whole life and it doesn't satisfy? For those of you who haven't seen the movie and you don't know the story, he does win. And the very next scene is him at a bar in Paris with his trainer who is sloppy drunk and happy and Harold Abrams is as sober as a church secretary. (laughs) Just made that up off the cuff. (laughs) And he's looking vacantly straight ahead with no joy and just this sense of, I've realized my worst fear. I'm an Olympic champion and it doesn't satisfy. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most of us will never be Olympic champions. Most of us won't reach the pinnacle of our endeavor. Most of us. And we think that if we could, then we would be happy. And Jesus is saying, if you get to the bottom of that well, you're still going to be thirsty. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'd like to prove that theory. I'd like to test that theory. Keep drinking and you'll find out that it's true. It is true. And, and, it, and it's not just pursuing accolades like being an Olympic champion. It's if I could get the perfect relationship or in Madeline's testimony, if I could be accepted by that peer group, then I would be satisfied. If I could only be married, then I would be satisfied until you get married, it turns out that this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, or until I could get that promotion or until I could, until I could make this certain amount of money, until I could have this, this status, until I could uh, have this sexual experience, if, until I could have this vacation, whatever. And everything that I've mentioned so far, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about things which God has given humanity, gifts, the ability to run, the ability to work, relationships, human sexuality, the consumption of food, all of these things are gifts. But if those gifts become the thing which we believe will bring us satisfaction, we will receive them and be dissatisfied. That's what Jesus is saying. You're going to be thirsty, even if you get what you want. Even if you get what you want. That's just the reality. But notice what he contrasts this with. He contrasts, but, verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, Jesus is saying, I'm offering you something different. I'm offering you something 
that is 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 different in the sense that you're it's not you're not going to need to draw more it's going to be in you it's a spring of water and it will well up it will be perpetual it will refill you'll never be empty again you'll never be empty again whether you're successful in the endeavors of the world or whether you are an absolute failure in the endeavors of the world it doesn't matter because you will be filled you'll be satisfied You'll be satisfied. Now let's take a look at how we process this offer. So we take a look at these two offers. The best the world has to offer. The best the world has to offer. And what Christ has to offer. How do we process? Well, the first of all, let's take a look at verse 15 here. What does the woman say? She says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here anymore to draw water. What does she think? What does she think? She sees Jesus as a means to an end. Oh, you can get me whatever I wanted to put in the blank. And many of us, when we first consider Christ, we see him not as the end all, but a means to an end to get me the golden goose, to get me what I wanted. When I first became a Christian, when I first started reading the Bible, I was at the University of Iowa, I was, uh, I was wrestling, and, and I kind of thought that Jesus would be, well, maybe he can help me become the, the wrestler that I want to become. And so I began to pray that way. And there's nothing wrong with praying for success. But instead of success, what he gave me was pain. He gave me suffering. He gave me disappointment. That verse that Madeline was talking about, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I became a Christian and then within the first season had knee surgery. It's not supposed to be scripted like that. You're supposed to come to Jesus and he's supposed to give you a gold medal. Wrong. That's not how it works. Jesus is trying to wean us off of the things which we think will bring us satisfaction so he can give us true satisfaction. By the way, he's not opposed to you being successful. He's opposed to you thinking that your success will bring you ultimate satisfaction. Because it doesn't. So she says, give me this water. What is this water? The stuff at the bottom of the well. She's not tracking on what Jesus is saying. So we go a little bit deeper. Verse 16, let's take a look. Verse 16, Jesus said, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, You're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the man that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. That's awkward. Yeah, I know. I know you're not married, but you've been married five times and you're shacking up with someone that you're not married to now. Ooh, kind of got really uncomfortable right now. Really uncomfortable. So at first, she thinks Jesus is going to get her what will satisfy. Now she's realizing this is a threat. What is it that she is drawing from? What brings this woman satisfaction? Jesus called her out. What she assumes will bring her satisfaction is if only if she could be loved. Now, in this culture at this time, women were not allowed to divorce their husbands. You say, well, that's sexist. Well, it's the first century. 
But men could divorce their wives, and she's been kicked to the curb five different times. And the guy that she's with now is, won't even give her the honor of marrying her. Now, it doesn't go into great detail, but you can understand that what this woman longs for is just someone to love her, just someone to, to accept her the way she is. And she's, she's struck out five times. And now she's with a guy who won't even give her the privilege, or give her the honor of calling her a wife. She's gone to that well five times and come up empty. And Jesus has the audacity to poke her in the eye? Does that sound sensitive to you? Now notice Jesus doesn't condemn her. He doesn't say, yeah, I know. You're such a, you know what? He just points out what she already knows. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know your heart. I know the well you've been going to. You've come up empty five different times and the guy now doesn't satisfy you either. I know that. I know. And here's the beauty. He knows what you've been drinking from. He knows that some of you lap from the toilet like a dog, thinking that somehow that's going to quench your thirst. He knows that some of you are ultra successful and and in the world they want to build statues in your honor because you're so awesome at everything you do and you're still dissatisfied. He knows. He knows. And he doesn't come here to condemn the woman and he's not condemning you. He's just simply saying, I have, I have something which will satisfy if you'll have me. These other five guys and this sixth guy, this loser you're with now, all they do is let you down, but I won't. I won't. And at this moment, she realizes he's not going to help me secure a man. How many of you, when you came to Christ, all of a sudden realized that Christ was not in it to get you what you wanted? Anybody notice that? If you haven't, you haven't been following Jesus for very long. Now, some of you are like, well, that's reason enough not to follow him. No, you don't understand. What's the point? The very things you you want don't satisfy. Jesus wants to give you what does satisfy. And by the way, he's not opposed to success. He's not opposed to you being in a good marriage. He's not opposed to my back getting better. Hopefully. I'm praying that's not the thorn in the flesh. But you get the idea. But understand that he wants something better than temporal health, temporal wealth, temporal success. He wants us, you, all of us, to have Something within us which wells up and perpetually brings satisfaction. Verse 19 and 20. He's not talking about water. He's not talking about water. Let's let's take a look at verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where the people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman... Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So the progression goes like this. First, we think that Jesus is a lucky rabbit's foot or a bartender that's going to give us our favorite drink. And that will satisfy. Then we come to the conclusion, nope, he's not going to give me what I want. He wants me to give him something else, which is more satisfactory. But that's somewhat of a threat because I don't want to follow him if I don't get what I want, right? And then he says, I'm the water. And we start to perceive that maybe, just maybe, he's something more than I thought he was. Maybe, just maybe, He can provide me what my heart longs for, but currently I don't really want. So that's how we reason. That's how we process this. He says, the hour is coming. In fact, it's here. The hour is coming. It's now here. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming. That is, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus says to her, I am he of who you speak. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water, water jar, went away to the town and said to the people, the very people who she doesn't fit in with, the very people who reject her, the very people that she sees is seen as an outcast in, these people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Look at verse 28 again. What did she leave behind? What did she leave behind? What's lying beside the well? The water jug. The the one thing that she's going to carry, what she came for, she doesn't need anymore. Now, technically, she needs water. She lives in the Middle East. She'll die if she doesn't get it, right? But what she's received surpasses what she wanted. And that's what it is with Christ. That's the way it works. That's the way he wants. You think... X, Y, and Z will bring you pleasure, and it might for a season, but it won't bring you satisfaction. Jesus says, I will give you good gifts, but more importantly, I'm the giver, and I will give you the giver of gifts. I'll give you myself. I'll give you myself. What well are you drinking from? Have you received the living water that is Christ? The Bible says it is by grace through faith that we are saved. It's not by works. Madeline's testimony, it's not by your grades. It's not by what crowd you fit into. Harold Abram, it's not whether you win your your Olympic gold medal. It's not whether or not you are morally accepted by everyone else. It's not whether or not you have done this or haven't done this. It's all of grace. Jesus offers living water to a five-time relational loser. We're all that way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all drinking from the toilet one way or the other. And Jesus says, I'm living water. I'm offering you myself. Have you received Christ? Some of you have. Some of you have received Christ. But 
you also have carved out a little cistern for yourself. Jeremiah chapter 2, right before Jerusalem was taken over by Babylon and the Jews led captive. He said this in chapter 2, verse 13. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, this is God speaking, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Here's the thing. There are so many people that, that call themselves Christians and might even genuinely be Christians. And they come to Jesus, the living water, for spiritual satisfaction. What does that mean? Well, in the event that I die someday, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But in this life, I'm going to draw as much as I can from the world's well, and that's what's going to give me satisfaction day in and day out. You've hewn out a different cistern. Jeremiah's like, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. These are broken cisterns that don't even hold water. I was reading a book recently, shared the story of Sheila Wall. She was a a co-host for the 700 Club. Let me just read this to you. Christian singer, writer, former co-host of the 700 Club, told her story of how in 1992, her disconnected spirituality, in other words, drinking from the wrong wells, caused her to hit the wall. One morning, she was sitting on national television, this is her speaking, with my nice suit and my inflatable hairdo. It was the early 90s, after all. That I, and that night, I was locked on a psych ward at the hospital. It was the kindest thing God could have done to me. The very first day in the hospital, the psychiatrist asked me, listen to this, these, are, these questions are crucial. Who are you? I'm the co-host of the 700 Club. That's not what I meant, he said. Well, I'm a writer. That's not what I meant. Well, I'm a singer. That's not what I meant. Who are you? She says, I don't have a clue. And he replied, that's right. And that's why you're here. How many of you have followed Christ since you were a kid and you don't know who you are? Do you understand how common that is among people who quote-unquote love Jesus? Yeah, they have this, this little trickle of a well in their heart, but what they're drinking from is a cistern that doesn't hold any water. You're trying to find your... And do, do you know that this is... Pastors do this all the time. Who are you, Brooks? Well, I'm a preacher. Is that who I am? I'm a pastor. Is that who I am? I'm a speaker. That's not who I am. But you know how many times I try to get satisfaction out of what I do? How about you? I don't want to end up in a psych ward, so I'm just going to acknowledge the fact that I have made out a cistern for myself. How about you? If you have, stop drawing your significance from it. It doesn't mean that you stop being X, Y, and Z and doing these things, but it's not who we are. Who we are are followers of Christ, adopted children into his family. So some of you, what we need to do is block up that cistern, stop drawing water from it. In other words, stop drawing your identity in terms of your accomplishments. Find your identity in who you are in Christ.
For others of you, you haven't yet come to that well. You have not yet received Christ. The Apostle John says this in his his gospel, chapter 1, verse 12. To all who received him, that is Christ, he gave them the right to become children of God. Let Let me give you a metaphor. To all who go to Christ and say, give me you, fill me with you, save me from myself, give me your spirit. Have you done that? Christ beckons you today to receive living water. Living water. Some of you have not. Some of you, you've been hedging. You've, you're like, ah, I kind of know I should, but I'm afraid he's going to take from me the things which satisfy. They won't satisfy. And here's a little secret. If you decide not to follow Jesus, you'll lose them anyway. You'll get old. Your back will go out. You'll fail. Your relationships will crumble. You'll get sick. You'll lose your money. Follow Jesus? Don't follow Jesus. We all go to the same dirt. Does it make sense? So receive Christ. There's a card in the seat pocket in front of you. It says believe. There's two options. I receive Christ as my Savior, and I want to let someone know. Or I have questions. One way or the other. If that's where you're at, let us know. Fill that card out. Drop it in the offering box as you leave. Why do we insist you do that? We insist you do that, not because it saves you. Christ saves you. But you can't run the race alone. You need people to come alongside you. Those who have gone before you that are further along in their walk. Those that can help you. Those that can disciple you. Those that need encouraged by you. So as I close in prayer, uh, Pastor Josh is going to come up with an announcement just to help you understand how you can make the next step in the body of Christ. Father, we thank you for the fact, Jesus, that you are living water, that you truly do satisfy. And Lord, I pray for those people that are here right now who are on the fence. They are just like that woman. They are listening. Their heart is moved, but they don't know what to do. Maybe they're afraid. Father, I pray that you give them the courage to drink deep, deeply from that spring of water. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the grace to believe and trust you. Father, for those who have trusted you, Lord, give us the sense to recognize that the gifts you give us, we should thank you for, but we shouldn't find our ultimate worth and meaning in those gifts. Lord, we thank you that you are a giver of good gifts. And thank you for the greatest gift of all, eternal life in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.